0: I'm Josh Konstein. I'm the editor-at-large for TechCrunch. For the last six years, I've been covering music tech as well as a bunch of other areas of startups, specifically social technology. Uh, before that, I actually worked in the music business. I was the project manager for Bon Jovi and the Killers at a digital agency called Spark Art, so I was running all their fan clubs, ticketing, merchandise, digital promotions. And through that, I got to really see an inside look at all the new amazing things that are going on in technology in music, but also some of the resistance that the music industry puts up to some of these technologies and why sometimes it doesn't move quite as fast as we'd like but luckily you know in the 10 years since then we've seen a really giant increase in the adoption of technology by the major record labels by the major touring agencies and by bands themselves and so there's a big new market for new technologies in music and that's what we're going to see today is a demo a set of demos of some cutting-edge products that are- you guys are going to be hearing about a lot more in the future and why I think this is really special now and especially in in San Francisco, opposed to places like New York or LA, is that we have seen these massive music tech companies start to become real acquirers of music tech. So rather than there being essentially no exit potential for for uh, venture-backed startups, or you know real startups in the music tech business, now you have things like Spotify, Apple Music, as well as some of the major record labels who are trying to get a better grip on technology, becoming acquirers, becoming significant clients of these businesses, and that's uh, caused a whole new ecosystem to evolve and so while you know six years ago when I used to, when I started helping SF Music Tech with some moderation it was a little grim we would do these sessions and I was kind of like what is really going to happen to these companies but now there's really great opportunities for them if you can prove yourself to be doing something that is truly important that really engages with the listener really makes the artist's life better or just makes the music business a lot more profitable so I'm excited to get to see some of these sessions today um, and And we're going to start off with Bill Wilson from Indie Ninja, which is going to help bands and artists to get the little jobs that they need done on last minute schedules. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Sure. So, hey everybody. My name is Bill uh, Wilson and uh, I do many things in the music business. I started an indie label many, many years ago and I've done a lot of the... Thankless, uh, invisible jobs in the music business um, throughout my career, so I've worked at major labels, worked at indies, been on lots of tours. Um, Somewhere in the mid-2000s, I jumped to the startup world and I learned how to be a very crappy developer and then found my way back to Atlantic Records where I ran uh, mobile. So uh, I have been around the block. Um, A good friend of mine is named Lawrence Custers. Uh, he also came from the indie rock world uh, out in Belgium. Uh, he currently manages a couple of touring acts, he's in somewhere uh, over the Pacific right now with a band en route to uh, to Japan. Um, we also have a, a team member named Konstantinos Uh He's a high-end uh, developer who's spent probably about a good six months building this product. Uh, and then the, the last member of our little band uh, is a guy named Ray Canapini. He is a uh, creative director, and he brought all things UX to what we do. So, one day, Lawrence and I were uh, sitting around a startup co-working facility called General Assembly, and we started talking about the change in the music economy, the rise of DIY culture. And, you know, we've identified two problems, and the two problems are that, for indies, and for bands, and for artists, and for managers, especially in the digital world, that building a career in the music business is pretty difficult, Um, especially now with all the different methods of promotion, uh, the proliferation of digital technology has made things actually a little bit more complicated than in the days of more linear releases. Um, And finding the right team to work with um, has always been a challenge. Um, Let's just use that euphemistically. There's a lot of snake oil um, in the music business. I know that's shocking to all of you. Um, And on the ninja side, Um, which is the the contractor side, Uh, being a roadie, being a designer, being a photographer, um, even being a financial person, uh, anybody that gets contract part-time work in the music business, um, they're always in sort of the hot pursuit of leads. Um, And it's very, very difficult. And the accounts receivable administration can be a challenge. I call it the wimpy problem. If all you guys remember Popeye, I will gladly pay you Tuesday for consultation services today. so as we started looking at the market, um, you, know, you look at some data that just came out from the freelancers union, and you see that you know, 36% of the U.S. workforce is now freelancing, um, and that's a big number, and it's an increasing number of millennials. Um, and then you look at the music business, and we had our friends from uh, Media Research kind of look at this for us. Right now there's about 350,000 jobs just in the independent sector between live and music in some of the larger music markets. And you have about 1.2 million um, in kind of the larger music sector and 1.5 million um, in the entertainment sector of related industries. That's a pretty big market and a huge opportunity. So what we did was decide to solve the problem, look at the opportunity, and develop a marketplace, um, a marketplace that addresses the two problems. And here's how we do it. It's very simple, You know, the economy is nothing new to anybody in this room. But you sign up as a label, I signed up as my little indie label, Blackout Records. And if I'm doing a pledge music campaign and I need a social media person in order to help me develop the, the looks or I need to develop a, a YouTube page and I don't know how to build it or I wanna build a Bandcamp page, um, I post a job. And I post a job on the site and I fill it out, which is the area on the left. And then a ninja, Um, who's an expert, um, is either notified, uh, that the job is available via email in their area. Um, they're invited to a private job, um, or they search for it. Um, and I will say that ninjas, the experts are all vetted and invited through a invite only network. So this is kind of a closed gated community. We don't let everybody in. What happens after that is that the person is hired. Uh, We have a Slack-style chat interface uh, on the the app itself. Uh, And then uh, as the job is completed after they're hired, what happens is uh, the money that they're hired for is placed into escrow. Um, So only upon completion of the job is that that money liquidated. And at the end of the job, uh, they're asked one question. And the one question is, would you work with this person again? And if the answer is yes, they get an endorsement, an opportunity to leave a LinkedIn-style uh, authorization or, or endorsement, and the on the other side, um, if the answer is no, that besmirchment goes on their permanent record, uh, and they get enough negative reviews, uh, they get bounced, um, and that happens on both sides of the coins because we know sometimes there are bad clients too. So we make money, we try. Um, We take two ways. Uh, Essentially, we have individual transactions. We take what they lovingly call in New York York, a VIG, uh, which is a percentage uh, of the transactions between the Indies and Ninjas. We take it from the Ninja side. Um, As people use the site more in order to reduce attrition, we're actually reducing some of those fees over time. Um, And with respect to the other model that we have, it's... Uh, it's actually, we uh, create, uh, we manage 1099 businesses for larger companies. So, for example, if a merchandise company wants to manage all of their art freelancers, we take that thankless, invisible job from them can perform the uh, administration of that much more efficiently and then are able to provide uh, faster income back to the artisan design community uh, as well as help uh, the merchandise company uh, sustain themselves as an example. And we charge them uh, flat fees and different percentages based on the service levels that they receive, including uh, aggregated information. Uh, and we've launched. So we launched on June 5th at uh, A2IM Indie Week. Um, we got some coverage in Billboard, we got some coverage in Music Ally, which was terrific. From that we got about 500 organic sign-ups to become Indies and Ninjas. Um, several well-known labels, distribution companies, uh, the advantage of me having being a little bit long in the tooth in the music business is to have uh, a rather robust uh, contact list. I would say Rolodex, but that would age me. Um, uh, and we have some very well-known independent labels. Um, Of some incredible scale who've helped us out during the process Um, and we have some great managers and labels testing out right now and as we roll into beta we're gonna be throttling the users to start posting jobs and adding more ninjas and posting jobs and adding more ninjas Um, and the ninjas currently include uh, publicists promotion firms marketing companies uh, road crew from all over the world Um, so we're pretty excited about the community that we're building uh, we have a couple of significant academic partnerships, locked and loaded for beta. Um, so, uh, as you see, we evolve over the next couple of months. Uh, you'll see some a lot more scale out of what we're doing, and uh, we're also currently generating revenue in the first three months of being in private beta. Well, so that's who that we are. Novel that's what we're for doing.
0: The music business. Uh, Very nice. Um, so, what is your scale at right now? Like, how many jobs are you booking per month?
1: I mean, the private beta is really, this this is pure testing. Um, So I will tell you that the average uh, job is about $800 a job. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going for sort of higher-end jobs, uh, not kind of the onesies and twosies. Mm -hmm. Um, We've completed probably, you know, probably about 60 or 70 jobs so far. Not a lot. Um, But we are revenue. You know, we are generating revenue, even with the small amount of people that we have. Uh, We have about 100 ninjas aboard and about probably an equal amount of Indies on board right now who are doing testing here and there and scaling the marketplace is always that weird
0: mm-hmm. chicken yeah, and egg chicken and egg yeah. thing. so a lot of service provider companies like uber uh, you know their big one of their biggest costs is onboarding new drivers or in this case in onboarding new ninjas so what is that process like for you because you're doing expert vetting which is a lot more intensive than most uh, like online marketplaces and how are you doing that to keep costs low and so, after that if you guys have any so, other questions would love so to hear. as
1: them. we scale we understand that this is going to be uh, you know a process and you know as we grow to scale we'll have more people coming on and kind of auditing the process but right now we have about 25 advisors um, who are very well connected in all aspects of the music business, and we're really doing friends of friends, um, and it really is uh, invite only, and everybody gets allocated a amount of uh, invitations, and after their successful gig is completed, uh, and there's good reviews of that person, then they in turn get to invite somebody else to the platform. Obviously, that doesn't scale to you know 350,000 users, uh, but right now, in order to build the community, you got to start somewhere, and what we're looking to do is build a solid community at the core, and continue to grow it layer upon layer, and kind of not build a balloon that can pop easily.
0: Great. Any questions from the crowd? We got one back there. We'll take this one. Yeah, just wait for the microphone if you get called on. So
1: there's a Thank how you. do I drive? A, how do we drive awareness?
0: Wait, so, what was that again?
1: How do we drive awareness? How do we
0: drive awareness? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So
1: so right now, um, we drive awareness. Um, well, I'm driving awareness right now. Um, so, uh, users. What, sorry. Potential users. With potential users, so um, growth hacking. What the uh, because again of the amount of time that Lawrence and myself have spent um, being uh, networkers in the business, um, uh, we have the ability to uh reach a lot of uh aggregation points so we're focusing not necessarily on individual users and kind of going and kind of shooting a shotgun um we're going to aggregation points so for example a2im the music business association um, the artist managers uh international artist managers associations and being able to message them like for example next week we're doing a webinar specifically for a2im um, and again, reinforcing that with appearances at events. Um, and then as we, as we grow, um, we're gonna be able to start uh, then leveraging social. But until we kind of can uh, uh, maximize what we already have uh, in, in, within our reach, within our network, which is pretty significant, we're not really gonna need to go out to the, the, the community at large until we exhaust all of our relationships with distribution companies, trade associations, um and those other things
0: great awesome well, let's give it up for indie ninja uh, next we're gonna have edwin Jesser from playground yeah, I really like this idea because I think one of the things that's really changed about the music industry is it's not necessarily be about being a musician only now. You really have to be the founder of your own music startup where you're cobbling together these different team members and everything from photography and graphic design, tour managing, marketing, and so the better that you can, and more easily you can build that team, the, the better you're going to be able to do as a company because nobody can do it all anymore. You know, The days where all you got to do is play guitar are gone. Uh, but I think that that's really awesome, and so So having an expert-vetted sort of task rabbit for the music industry has big potential. Um, So next up, we're going to have Playground, which is a way for people to make music, whether you're a beginner or a pro. You just sort of tap around on this beautiful mobile interface, and you're able to suddenly make music happen right in front of you. Um, So we're going to have Edwin Jessert to tell us all about it. Well, one other exciting announcement that I get to make today, there's a cool South by Southwest session going on uh, later this afternoon. So you can check that out if you're interested in what's going on at South by or if you want to submit a panel next year. Um, But I'm excited that today I get to announce that uh, I've been selected to moderate a featured session on the main stage with Stefan Blom, the chief content officer of uh, Spotify. So if you're interested in hearing about what is the real lowdown about how Spotify and streaming music is changing the new music economy, come out and check that out at South by Southwest music this year all right let's hear about Playground
2: we are a company from Belgium and um, we didn't start as a startup we started as a band like 10 years ago and our goal was to make electronic music live truly live like electronic music that doesn't play itself when you tap play but you have to play yourself so no girl talks (laughs) and uh, we at the time we didn't have the the tools all the software we needed to do that. So we created our own instruments and a lot of uh, technology to to be able to to play like we want. And it ends up looking like this now. This is for 2014. So, I can talk over and explain what happens. So, what happens here is that you have the the drummer is playing uh, on a regular drum, uh, acoustic drums. There's just two uh, MIDI sensors on his uh, kick drums and on the snares. And each time he hits the the kick uh, drum, the sounds of the bass will go electric. And each time he hits the snares, the bass sounds will go acoustic. And it will switch automatically. It's like having uh, some. Some roadies on stage that are invisible and are changing the instruments in the hand of the players in real time. That is the, the kind of technology we we built over the years. And there's a lot of other interaction between the, the players. Uh, when the the iPad players change his uh, his chords, the notes on the PS3 player will yeah, change accordingly. And, so we built that for uh, uh, over a decade, and we learned how to play our own instruments at the same time. And at some point, we, we found that this technology we were sitting on uh, had other applications, applications in uh, the, uh, educa- music educations, and, but also the ability for people who doesn't know how to play instruments to enjoy the feeling of being a good player. And so we created Playground which is uh, an app only on iPhone, sorry for the Android users. And Playground look like this. Okay.
3: So in Playground, you are...
2: The so playground is kind of a live remix platform, so it it acts like, as an instrument, or actually as the uh, multiple instruments on the flat surfaces, and all the interaction I was talking about uh, are built in. So if you change the chords on down the screen, it will change the lead up, and everything is played live. There's no loop behind this, uh, just samples. So, And the app is a, a catalog of tunes, so you can uh, play with different genres, different artists. We, we work directly with the artist to get their, um, their, the content. We try to understand what the artist has uh, meant to, to do, uh, how he think about his music, wha- how, uh, he, what the rules he used, even if he's not aware of the rule he used itself. And then we translate that into an interactive map. I will show you another one in a very different style.
0: so we'll just uh, hear a little bit more about your business model and uh and that'll be that um yeah so this seems really like an incredible way to take a whole bunch of musical instruments condense it into a single interface you know everything from something that's similar to a drum machine to like a digital synthesizer um so tell us a little bit about how are you guys going to make money off this like what's the the business model and Uh, you also mentioned some education stuff
2: right right now it's the the business model is really simple the app is free so you can download it, and uh, with a few t- uh, free tunes that we made ourselves. And if you want the premium content that uh, are made with artists, you have to buy it with an in-app purchase. Look, okay. quite straight. And uh, we have a, a, s- a revenue split with the artists, so we uh, always uh, give back um, money to the original artists of the composition. Great. And you mentioned there was like a music education element to it. Yeah, uh, but that's not what something that we do ourselves. That's uh, something that we heard from our users, so uh, we, we got a lot of feedback that, uh, from teachers who are using Playground in music education. Great. Any questions from the audience? We got one over here.
0: What, what feeds
2: it? Do you need Wait to for the
0: mic. <laughs> Just asking what feeds it. Do you need stems, or do you work from mixed masters?
2: Uh, we, we, we prefer to work with the rawest material Available. So if the artist has the DAO project, we use that. If he doesn't, we we work. With, basically, we work with what's about available, but we we prefer to go on the, um, the lowest one because we it's open new possibilities to like um, if the if there's a, a, a synthesizer with uh, lots of uh, effects on on it, we uh, we will try to to add the subt- subtilities and intricacies into the mix by uh, getting the, the raw synthesizer, the synthesizer with effects, and let the players choose the amount of effects they want to, to play with. So it's, it's, it's not possible all the time, but when it's possible, we like to do that. Awesome.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much, and let's give it up for Playground. It's a cool technology. Um, next, we're going to have uh, Dave Park from Um Yeah, I really like this idea because I think so many people find music creation really daunting, especially when you're talking about electronic music creation. You think, oh, if I don't know Pro Tools, if I haven't been doing this for years, how am I even going to get involved? And that really is uh, deterring a lot of people from, getting, from expressing their creativity. And especially when you're talking about teaching younger people how to make music and how to fall in love with music production, I think having these sort of shorthand tools can be really valuable for them. Um, um, so next up, we're going uh, to have Recombinant and Dave Park show up. And so they're doing something really fascinating with music marketing. And in fact, they showed uh, us a version of their app, Jam Bandit, about four years ago here uh, on the SF Music Tech demo stage, and it was their first real debut. And it's incredible to see the progress that they've made. They're now working with major labels, and so uh, we'll give it up for, for Dave Park. Thanks. That's a hot mic. <laughs>
4: so as the gentleman says I'm Dave Park I'm the CEO at recombinant we're a music analysis and media technology lab uh, our focus is on studying music as a language and repurposing the data that we capture uh, to create interactive environments that put the fan in the band um, a couple of years ago we released an interactive music platform called jambandit uh, as John uh, uh, Josh mentioned and um that is an interactive music platform enabling anyone to play any song on any instrument expertly and improvisationally just by touching a screen. Uh, there are no strings, no keys, no frets, no interface that you would normally recognize or associate with music. And that's very much by design. For most of the last year, <coughs> we've been uh, doing quietly some outside R&D with one of the major rights holders. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, they approached us and asked us if we would be, in their words, the tip of the spear uh, in this STEM's marketing initiative that they're rolling out for 2018. And For those of you who are familiar with how much evangelism there's been around high resolution audio, basically that was this year. Next year it's all about selling music in multi-track format. Um, so while I can't mention any of the companies by name, I'm assuming you probably can imagine who many of them are, and, uh... There's not that many major record labels anymore, Uh, and I'm not here to make any official announcements. I don't have any fireworks. I don't even have balloons. It's just me. Um, I can only imagine how disappointing that is. <laughs> but uh, what I can do is give you a sneak peek of some of the things that we're going to be rolling out as our part of this initiative. So very quickly, roll that clip, Dave. Roll that clip. For those of you uh, who aren't already familiar with Jam Bandit, again, this is sort of our clean screen ethos, no strings, no frets, no keys. No uh, cognitive impediments. It's one of my opinions that there's 5 billion music fans out there who've never heard themselves play music well. And while there are thousands of apps and pieces of software ostensibly baiting people for the low, low price of 399. let's show you how easy and fun it is to make music. I think the instant they see strings or frets or keys or tracks or separated channel switching or anything like that, a lot of those billions of consumers just check out because they just assume that product is for somebody else. So in any event, without further ado, so this is basically just a refresher. This is like the uh, what we had originally built jam Bandit on this is actually based just on a, an mp3 file or i think or might be a wave file <clears throat> and i need audio and this is a clean screen basically there's an invisible safety net based
1: you
4: can change instruments Arpeggiate. Multi-touch. And so that's the the starter version. But what we're actually being tasked to roll out is uh, multi-track. And so um, it's only appropriate given what a thought leader he was around interactive music and was such an advocate for using technology uh, to create a conversation between the artist and the audience. It's only fitting that I use David Bowie here in this moment because we lost him recently, uh, but I still see that maybe he can lead us by example. So as I open the tracks menu, you'll notice that there are are more tracks now because they're representing the individual tracks and the stems. With additional voices that we can add on top. But the important thing is, because it's multi-track, I can toggle off the vocals or the other instruments, or even isolate tracks, and just as you can play any instrument on any track now, you can play the drums. That's pretty cool. Or even arpeggiated. Mm -hmm. And so we have over 100 different instruments and drum samples and more coming all the time, all basically playing on a safety net that's derived from the style data that we collect from the songs. And we've also now closed the last mile on that and are fully automated. So we can ingest any music file in any format, provided that it's not DRM protected. So... WAVE, MP3, AAC, multitrack stems, all of it. We can ingest it, analyze it in under 30 seconds, and have it published to the platform.
0: Awesome. That sounds really cool. I was especially impressed with the drum thing. I mean, I've seen people just like run their fingers over a keyboard, but never anything like that for drums. Uh, so what I'm really fascinated in is like, wh- how do you expect? You know, obviously, the streaming has changed music a lot. People don't buy music as nearly as much as they used to. But this movement towards hoping that multi-track audio will bring people back to buying music or paying for music on a more song-by-song basis. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that movement intersects with this app and what the the vision of your new corporate overlord is?
4: Sure. No, I, well, <laughs> so we, we do not have any, um, it's been a very symbiotic relationship with this particular rights holder. And I think to their credit, they've been extraordinarily supportive. Uh, we owe them nothing. They owe, they own no piece of our company. They have no options or warrants of any kind whatsoever and that's all by design. it took a long 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 time for me to get them to agree to that <laughs> but uh, anyhow suffice so to your point, uh, there's a couple things one I think because you know the presumption is that if the fan if consumer has the option to either listen to the music or play the music or some variant you know of the two, Uh, that that's a premium offering, and so maybe that carries a premium price point. But the honest thing is, nobody knows what that's worth yet. So there's going to be a lot of, like, price point testing and combinations of different features. One of the things that's gonna be new for us is that the the intention is to load us up with thousands, if not tens of thousands of tracks and front row releases and new releases and actually have the artists messaging on their channels, hey, go check out our song on Jam Bandit, here's a hot link, you click the hot link and it opens their content like an Easter egg on our platform. Um, so that's part of it I think the artists being Uh, Active. The other part of it, which I also think Bear is mentioning, uh, is that we believe strongly that if there is a future for interactive music, it's because the player's performance is being visualized, and visualized in a way that the images relate to the artist, relate to the song, or are otherwise relevant to the consumer. Because this is basically the analog on the small screen to what the consumer gets for a hundred bucks when he goes to a live show which is a light show that's synchronized in time relation to the music. And so our challenge, part of it, is to, and this is just a prototypical visualization. I'm assuming that's probably nakedly apparent. (laughs) But uh, um, what we really want to do is have uh, some of the same neurochemical response that people would normally associate with a live concert uh, accessible on the small screen of their device. Awesome. Great. Well, let's give it up for uh, for Combinant. Uh,
0: we're gonna have Gager up next. Gager, where you guys are. Um, yeah, what I think is really impressive with that is that it's very uh, has a lot of foresight because we are seeing that you know people aren't paying for music the same way anymore. So how are you actually going to squeeze a little bit more more money out of those tracks? And knowing that people don't just want to, or that basically, if you're only listening to a song, that's you know, there's a big limitation on how much engagement it can really give you, especially in the modern age when people are running, doing their email, doing everything else while they're listening to music because it's so mobile because you can play it on all these different platforms. So if you're thinking that those, uh, the the age of laying on your bed and listening to the vinyl record is kind of past. And so how do you actually get people to feel much more emotional engagement with the music? It's through playing with it. And I think we're going to see an explosion of different games, different interactive, uh, music making elements that are going to allow people to to try these things out um so next up we've got Gager uh and let's see uh so basically, they're trying to make it so that artists can get a lot more information about what's going on with that engagement with their music because that data is extraordinarily valuable for everything from knowing what your core demographics are you should be marketing to, where you should be touring, what kind of merch you should be selling. Um, and so, next up, we are going to have our friend from Gager show us what's up.
5: Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Anthony Jones, uh, founder of Gager uh, LLC. Uh, our first product is gager.com. Um, let me start with the use case. So basically what we did at the end of the day is we took the like button and we evolved it into the function that you see here on these um, pull up graphics. We've all been on uh, online somewhere and we've wanted to kind of like something, maybe dislike it, maybe give it a little more feedback. That tool doesn't allow it. So uh, we did the uh, we took on the task of swinging the bat and trying to evolve that. So uh, imagine, this tool that you see, at the end of the day, it's a, a glorified um, survey tool. Let's imagine it on something like something like Uber. So here in the categories are driver safety, car cleanliness, uh, driver attitude, punctuality. It's a much quicker way for users to engage. Have you ever been on an airplane and you get off the airplane, they give you about a 20 question survey and they ask you a ton of stuff, right? Imagine if they just sent you a little and said gauge your in-flight experience, and the four categories were uh, in-flight, baggage, service, whatever have you, we'd probably engage with it a lot. Um, we did the name on purpose because part of technology is engagement and user engagement, and so that's the core of the company, um, a true consumer approach to uh, user feedback, engagement, and analytics. Um, now, the vertical that we chose was music because the, our team is music guys. We came from the music uh, production and promotion space. So we launched it in the vertical that had the most need for it. Here, we see gaugers. This is our news feed, right? It's free site. You sign up. In your news feed is anybody you follow, anybody that, you, uh, that commented or anything that you gauged. Um, In order, I'm an artist, I come here, and and mind you, you can sign up as an artist, a DJ, a record label. This tool does a lot for uh, different folks. So I'm an artist, I post my content, it goes on to my newsfeed. I come down here, I want, and in order for my content to get off of a newsfeed and get into what we call a world stage, which is where the entire world will be able to see it, you have to get three to five gauges. So let me show you what the gauge looks like. I'm an artist, I post it, my fans come here. We do a few different things on the page as well as offer this tool. So there's no like button as you see. The comment management system on the side allows for people not to have to comment anymore. That's part of the problem with user engagement. People don't want to comment, people don't want to say constructive criticism, have to type it out. So we gave them this tool that allows them to do all the speaking for them. So they press this. So now I can tell the artist in extreme detail what I think about uh, their product. In turn, they can use that to make a better product Uh, Record labels can use the way that we house and disseminate data to find out who's popular uh, first. Investors can use the tool to find out where they should be putting their money uh, based on the feedback of the gauge. We allow all three media types. If you notice up here on the world stage, you can change your entire feed. It's all genres welcome. Right now we're launching in the hip-hop genre because that's where our team comes from. All genres are welcome. There's a unique feature on here that connects artists to industry executives. One of our, the executives that'll be on our panel, we'll use him as an example, um, Sway Calloway. Let's say he gets 1,000 records a day, asked to him, can you listen to my record, can you listen to my record? That's pretty expensive and it's pretty hard to get to Sway. Well, he sits on our panel or any DJ or any executive or any tastemaker in the space, and they can get the content sent on their gauge page. So I'm an artist, I want to get to Sway or whoever, I pull my content up. I love that little music circle thing while we wait for the Wi-Fi. It's- Thank you to my programmer for making it cool to watch. Um, I want to get directly to somebody that's unaccessible. Boost, submit to a panel member. I choose my panel member. As you notice on the bottom, the prices are negotiated. So um, a very negotiated price for somebody like Sway Callaway or, or a DJ Khaled or any genre, any tastemaker, any DJ. You select them. You send them your content. They then get that tool. They gauge it and the system will then put it onto their Facebook and their Twitter for three days. So the artist gets a lot of value there. Another one of the things that we do is we're trying to make analytics a little cooler, a little fresher, a little more understandable. If I want to know more about how this piece of content got 91%, I could just click right here and it'll show me. We do that for um, all gauges. If you can see over here, we have a video gauge that has different categories. We also have a picture gauge that has different categories. What we hope we did is took the best of all social platforms right now and put it in one space for the entire industry to converge there. Once we get the uh, tool popular there, then it's our hope, Uh, rewind to the beginning of the conversation, the API will be licensed out to specific platforms to aggregate the data that way. This becomes an awesome suggestion tool, the way that we're housing the data. Um, It serves as a buffer for any industry executive that can't You can't take a hundred meetings in a day, but you can probably listen to a hundred songs in two days. It's only 45 seconds and then you you swipe a button. Um, So that, let me see.
0: That's great.
5: Is there any questions? This is, oh, one more piece. So we turned gauging into a currency, right? If you can see up in the top right hand corner, it says nine. So everything is free on Gager unless you're paying to get to a panel member or what have you. But I'm a user, I'm a music enthusiast, right? Once that gauge tracker up at the top gets to 50, the content on the world stage, which is the premium content that artists had to get multiple gauges to get to, it stops and it says, please empty your gauge tracker. What is your gauge tracker? Anything that you've looked at, scrolled past, viewed and didn't gauge, it just accumulates in your notifications. Once you get to 50, we ask that you empty that tracker to keep looking at the premium content. It's free of cost. It takes six seconds. It's valued to the artist. And we're hoping to create this, make opinion a currency, basically. So that's another cool little feature in there. Um, full, full social site, as I said, notifications, message systems. You just select who you want, who you follow. So we're an entire social network. We launched about eight days in, the, in Google Play, so we're very new um nice. iOS hopefully here soon once we get over some funding hurdles and uh get to the API. Um so yeah, I'll keep it short so we can get to uh, any questions or, or anything like that. And uh thank you
0: guys for your time. Toll. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I really like the idea that there's basically no typing in the app. I think that's something that people haven't really understood, that the move from desktop to mobile has really changed the way that people engage. And that means that while you might have been happy to type out a quick comment on your keyboard, if you're going to have to tap it out with your thumbs on your phone, you may as well just bounce. So by making it all slider-based, I think that's a, a much easier way for people to get feedback. And where I see the real opportunity for this is like working with your closest, earliest fans to get a lot of deep feedback about what is working and what isn't so you might know hey this photo isn't quite working for these reasons or we should re-edit this video so that it hits these bars because that's where we're getting low scores on our gauger um, any questions from the audience you got one in the back there
3: how you doing man Good,
0: uh, thank I you. like the I
3: like the app quick question for you well I'm sure you already thought about this you're a smart guy uh, with I'm your a great door, CTO okay uh, with the um, audio ga- engagement have mm-hmm. hey, you thought about doing like predictor hits? Like there was a, a platform back in the day where labels could send songs and they have their influence list to the record. Mm-hmm. And from that point, they can gauge what it's gonna do in top 40, rhythmic and all that. Have you thought about that at all?
5: That That's kind of where the panel concept comes in, right? Um, we can do focus groups, right, online. You know, um, housing all of this data and, and, and those type of executives there. We could um, curate it as a company or the user themselves can create their own private listening party simply by sending their uh, information from their gauge page to the executive's gauge page to get that feedback, as Josh was saying, beforehand, to know what you need to work in. So yeah, we, we hope we gave that a thought.
0: Awesome. Uh, one more quick one in the back. We're going to move on. Uh, we're going to have
4: quick, quick. Uh, Eli Ball next, so, if you can. So yeah, really attractive for artists, really meaningful for labels or panels. But how do you get audience in there? like um. so
5: it's so it's a social platform so we encourage the artists to share this you know the artists come here they share their gauge page on Facebook and Twitter like we saw you know early other startups come through other social media platforms we've got uh, really awesome partners um, one of which is a rap superstar another one is a media mogul um, so we'll have a lot of marketing power but at the end at the heart of it it's gonna be you know curated by the community the artists are gonna post it and because of the need for that tool we hope the byproduct is them saying, hey, all my fans found this new place where only this tool is. Go tell me what you think and uh, what I should do next or so on and so forth. So we hope it drives itself.
0: Awesome. Great. Let's give it up. Thank you. Good job with the gauger. Yeah, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of the platforms start to understand that Giving better analytics to their artists is a huge advantage for everyone, and that's why you know Spotify just launched a Spotify for Artists we app last week. SoundCloud and YouTube are both known for really deep analytics, but at the same time, those are your mass market distribution channels. And if you don't want to share something to everyone right away, being able to post it on something like Gager could give you better feedback early before you uh, you you know muddy the waters by throwing it out there to your whole audience. Um, so next we've got Eli Ball from Lyric. Financial, who is helping make sure artists get paid, maybe before they would normally get paid. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this all works?
3: So, Lyric was started about 10 years ago in Nashville. Um, just a quick five seconds on me. I grew up on the creative side. Worked with everybody from bald MJG to Johnny Cash. At, when I was at CBS, always spent my time on the creative side. Made a change, went into banking. Uh, didn't really expect to be in the fintech space at all, um, but the more that I learned about finance, um, the more that it became apparent that there were some problems there that I could probably help solve. So um, let me uh, let me just roll a demo, and then you can ask questions. Effectively, what this is is a virtual ATM. We call Snap, and it allows you or a musician anywhere in the world to go on um, with one click of a button look at your forecasted earnings for the next six months and request an advance in less than 30 seconds um, and it's posted either to your paypal account or your bank account whichever one you choose we just launched it about six months ago uh, with sony atv and TuneCore. the adoption rate's been you know, much higher than we expected, but we just did U.S. clients. And then uh, starting last week, and I'm proud to announce it here at San Francisco Music Tech, um, we now process direct deposit to your bank account, you know, in all the major countries um, and PayPal as well. So you can 200 countries and 85 currencies. Maybe tell us a
0: little bit about like who specifically is going to use this. I'm imagining like a songwriter or an artist, and this is based on like their forthcoming streaming revenue, based on you know how they've been doing previously. And they could say, "Oh, you're you know projected to make five thousand dollars next month. You could pull out two thousand dollars in advance right now." Is is that approximately how it works? Or tell us a little bit more about how that yeah, it pulls
3: with. the data. It pulls data in from your royalty organization, or your distributor, or your publisher. Um, we're starting out in the publishing, in the the major royalty companies, uh, the major distribution companies like TuneCore that are global. Uh, But the idea is really musicians have always been on the ass end of the deal um, forever. And even with transparency now, working capital is just a bitch trying to, you know, when you're trying to grow any business, let alone being a musician or a company that supports musician So the idea of, you know, avoiding credit cards and just managing based on the cash flow that you have and knowing how much is actually going to come in and being able to see that in real time, um, we think is, gives a powerful tool to the global music community to basically build their businesses on their own. And more and more, as you said earlier, Josh, you know, musicians or artists are got to be entrepreneurs. And to be entrepreneurs, you have to be able to budget and you have to be able to manage your cash flow. Those are two things that are lifeblood of any business.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen that like trade financing is one of the world's biggest industries and that's how, you know, if you make a, uh, you know, a pallet full of goods in China, but it's going to take you 6 months to get those actually sold in a store, you can get, you know, trade financing to pay for the factory to build them and then you pay it back once you actually make the money from it. Now we're finally seeing something like that for artists because you know, if you've made music and it's already popular, you're pretty sure it's gonna keep getting played and you're gonna st- keep earning money. So it makes total sense that you guys would be able to have uh, this kind of financing. Um, any questions from the crowd for, for Lyric Financial? Cool, uh, anybody got questions from the audience? Cool. Yeah. I mean, personally, one of my questions is, you know, how do you guys get financed up front for this? And do you have banking partners that that handle that? And then also how do you make sure, you know, what happens if some artists, you know, you you project they're going to make this amount and they fall super short and they're not actually able to pay it back. How does that work out?
3: So effectively what we did, the system does is it posts an accounting entry at whatever organization you're taking in advance against those that income stream Mm -hmm. so whether it's you know distribution sales streaming whatever it's posting let's say that we give you a five thousand dollar advance and let's just say that the charge is three percent 150 dollars. there's no interest it's just a flat processing fee so your account's going to get charged for five thousand one hundred and fifty dollars and that's going to be posted on your account at your royalty organization or distributor, and then when they make distributions, it pays on that, uh, effectively, that charge to your account, and uh, when it's paid off, you're done.
0: Cool. We got a question up here in the front. Hi. You One like- second, we just wait for the mic.
2: So you're focusing on the publishing side now.
3: No, publishing and distribution. So Sony, it's interesting, the demos, the demographics you've got Sony which are older writers and that Sony. have established catalogs and then you've got you know they're used to getting paid twice a year from Sony and then on the other side you've got the TuneCore audience or the customer base which is active labels and artists that are popping up stuff every week.
4: So. So, I'm, I, never, I sort of
2: started to ask my question. I'm wondering if you were doing anything with SoundExchange, for example,
3: well, on the yeah lyric has, yeah lyric has funded over 40 million dollars worth of advances and financing loans uh, for catalogs and musicians for the last ten, over the last 10 years. We deal with SoundExchange on a regular basis. Actually, if you take this to version 2.0, what we'd like to see is the musician being able to go on. Their app on their phone, press a button and see what their global earnings are from sales, streaming, T-shirts, touring, and then they can manage, you know, that's all of what makes up their business and be able to see it in one place at one time.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of artists would love the more financial planning and tools so that they actually know how to budget. You know, can we pay for, a new, for more studio time? Can we pay for a better bus for our tour? Um, so that sounds really One useful. One of the
3: interesting things, Josh, is, is I thought, because historically most musicians, including myself, um, when, when, it, when you got a chance to get in advance, you took as much as you could get because you'd never know if that window was going to be open again or when. Right. So what I didn't want the music community do is come in and take everything that was available and it just, they just end up upside down all the time. And without saying it, without having to explain it, they're actually, you know, the experience in the first six months, the adoption rate's near 30%, which is insane on the f- first six months.
0: On a financial tech project product? That's ridiculous.
3: Yeah. But what's more interesting is they're only ta- they're taking less than half of the money available for their advance, and they're coming back two to three times in the course of a 90-day period.
0: That seems like we, that's remarkably responsible for musicians. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm impressed you guys have been able to find such a, a smart clientele. Um, yeah, <laughs> <I> think- <laughs>
5: Plus,
3: it's all TuneCore and Sony guys. Awesome. Cool. Well,
0: thank, thank, you, thank you so much, Eli, and thanks to Lyric Financial. Thank you. We're going to have THX next. So this is a company you've probably heard of, literally heard of, as in like yeah. when whoa, 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 you go into a movie theater. But they're doing a lot of really cool stuff for music uh, beyond just the movie theater. So um, I'm excited to, to hear uh, what Justin here sh- tells us about what's going on with THX.
6: Can you try to spell that?
0: Uh, wwwhooouuummmmmmmmmmmmmh. It's pretty close. Wow. Call it, we call that the deep note. The deep note. Is that like? It's probably- not even going go <laughs> um, no, really to go there. No, I know are going. So, so what is going on with you guys? What is new about THX that that people in the audience wouldn't really know about?
6: A lot. There we go. Awesome. Cool. So, first of all. Happy to be here. Uh, Justin Forth, I'm filling in for my coworker Jason Fiber. Um, he's a music industry veteran, which is why he wanted to speak here um, on behalf of us. He had a family emergency, so about two hours ago I got called in to do this. So forgive me if I'm a little. No excuses.
0: The show must go on.
6: Exactly. Um, so, yeah, THX. Um, most of you know us. We've been around for quite a while now. Um, let me just quickly walk through a few points and we can chat. Um, so, most of you know us as the company started by George Lucas. You remember us from movie theaters, um, THX sound systems, THX cinemas. Um, we've been around since 1983. We started as a, kind of a result of George Lucas seeing an early version of Star Wars that he was really unhappy with, and saying ultimately, if you want to see my movies in your theaters, you need to do your theaters the THX way. Um, and that was a certification system for sound and video. Um, so yeah, we're coming up on our 35-year anniversary next year. Um, expect a lot of noise from us, I think there's going to be a lot going on. <clears throat> Almost everybody knows us, um, they compare us with Dolby and DTS even though we don't actually make an audio codec, which is kind of their whole business. Um, but it is a really recognizable brand, and and people just generally associate us with high quality audio. They don't necessarily know what's going on behind it, uh, but they know it's good, and and that's a really powerful thing. Um, so ultimately, that, that brings us to what, you know, what do we stand for. Um, and ultimately, what we stand for is, is premium audio and video for everybody on any medium. Um, so that's in the theaters, that's in your home, that's on your cell phone, that's on your speakers. Um, so that, that's kind of what drives us. Um, and that, that brings us to where we are today, um, which is the cinema, your home, and your mobile devices. Um, Quickly, what we do in the cinema is called uh, certification. Essentially, we go in and do a lot of the design work um, to make sure that the acoustic paneling is done correctly, the speaker selection is OK. If somebody opens the door in the middle of the movie, you're not going to have light you know, blasting onto the screen. Um, it's, a, it's a really rigorous process. And at this point, there's thousands of THX um, theaters across the world. Um, one of the new things we're doing in cinema, I won't spend too much time on this, uh, we're partnering with Cinemark to um, essentially redo and, and recertify all of their premium large format venues. Um, so that's what, its called the Cinemark XD. Um, it's a really impressive experience. If you guys live in San Francisco, check it out above the mall.
0: So totally. I'm a guy who really likes to go like the Kabuki and the Alamo, but the XD theater is one of the only like other normal theaters I'll go to because the seats are super comfy. Oh, so they like recline all the way back.
6: Oh, so comfortable. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out. We'll be all over. I'm guessing half of you are from L.A. and half of you are from here. Um, so we are in Playa Vista at the Cinemark Theater there. Check it out. Um, other than that, there's a good chance to go to one of the 5,000 theaters in the world and you will see us there. Um, but this is not a cinema conference. This is a music and tech conference. So what are we doing in in the home? Um, again, certification is our, is our system of tests and procedures that validates how well an audio product or a video product puts out an audio or video signal. Um, so you'll see us on TVs, receivers, amplifiers, speakers. Um, just recently, we announced a partnership with one more headphone company for the. You use them? They're great. They're really good. So um, that's because they passed THX certification. Uh, it took a long time to get there, and, and we're really happy with that. So, um, again, always driving for how do, we, how do we get premium audio and premium video into consumers' hands and how do they know? And so when they see THX on a product, they can basically be guaranteed they're getting the top experience they can get for their money. And here's just a list of some of our, our partners for consumer electronics. Um, maybe, maybe some of them are here. To me, this is the most exciting stuff that we're working on. This is where it gets into the, the, new, the new scene for us is mobile devices. Um, one thing we're working on is called the AAA amplifier. Um, it stands for the achromatic audio amp- amplifier. Achromatic meaning no color. We did that on purpose because it is the world's lowest distortion amplifier ever recorded. So um, there's a, a device called the AP55. It's the uh, really well-known um, audio precision device. They've never seen uh, levels of distor- distortion as low as our amplifier can produce. But but that's not the whole point of it. It's we're able to get this amplifier technology where you get the lowest distortion ever recorded, but pair it into, let's say, a wireless or Bluetooth device, and we're able to extend your battery life. So usually it's a trade-off. When you're amplifying sound, you're either getting a really good amplification, and on a wireless device it's just sucking all the power, it's draining all the battery. Um, Or you can have your battery last for three days and it sounds like absolute junk. Um, Through years and years of development, we were able to actually take this technology and shrink it down into a tiny little chip, about two millimeters by two millimeters, um, with our partner Triad Semiconductor, Um, so keep an eye out for this. We're we're doing a lot of noise at uh, CES this year. Um, We'll have some products on the shelves, um, hopefully by Christmas uh, next year, where you'll be able to buy headphones and um, wireless speakers and, and and so on with THX technology inside of it. So that, that, that's one of the big differences is so much of our work in the past has been certifying existing products. Now we're actually integrating our technology and our expertise and 30 years of development into consumer products. Um, that's one side is the amplifier. We're, that's, we're really, really excited about this. Um, the other thing is, you know, 3D audio, um, VR, 360 video, Buzzword of the day, probably, but uh, you know we're we're digging deep into it, um, and what we're doing is is conducting a lot of research, and we're partnering with a lot of the um, you know audio companies out there to help develop research methodology and and really understand how does sound um, really influence a VR experience or a 360 video experience, and we're um, actually I think today is the 17th, right? Um, our lead engineer is in New York at the AES Summit in New York um, presenting some of the research we've been doing with NYU on how do you actually measure this? And, and what does it mean to have good 360 audio? Um, so we're really going to be leading the industry there as far as defining what it means to have good 360 sound. Um, so it's pretty much anywhere you can apply sound, we're going to be touching it. Uh, I think that's why it you know, makes sense for us to introduce here um, where where. Uh, we've been and, and where we're going. So um, that's the, the high level overview. Love to just kind of chat and see.
0: Great, yeah, I think it's really uh, fascinating, especially seeing how so many devices, whether they're phones or speakers or headphones, you know, they're, they're sort of topping out in terms of the specs, and they're all looking for ways to differentiate themselves. So having that sort of name brand approval where everyone knows like, oh, this is going to have extra nice sound, I think it'd be a really big advantage for them. Uh,
6: any questions from the audience? Microphone's coming for you. Yeah, on the on
5: the amplifier front, sure. The idea is that this is an amplifier that that would drive some high-powered headphones. I notice you have like earbuds there. I'm assuming you could also use just some decent over-ear headphones as well. With that, yeah. Right? So
6: the amplifier uh, is actually going to be built into over-ear and into earbuds like that. We have about six varieties depending on the the power needs of the of the headphones. Um, so so, that, our so first that's
3: just
5: the battery then. That's that's separate, or, or am I missing that?
6: Which part? Well, we're, I'm, we're I'm looking at something, I th- I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm seeing a battery and connected to some headphones. Am no, I, am so, so most of these wireless headphones are putting amplifiers and batteries into the little straps gotcha. behind the back, so um, it, obviously when you're getting smaller and smaller, it's a lot harder to maintain the battery life, so the sacrifice is usually battery life or audio quality. Right. Um, so we the fact that we were able to shrink down our amplifier into a 2 millimeter by 2 millimeter chip uh, means we can squeeze it into Where the little power pack goes, partner with um, the the developers to have our amplifier build off the audio processing and the power management inside um, to get you the best audio quality and the longest battery life. And
5: it would be wireless the way you're envisioning. Yeah, so
6: we can do it wireless. We also have some USB applications as well. Um, But so the the main point for for the chip is to have it in um, wireless headphones in the next year. Um, I would say. Keep an eye out because we're going to have many iterations of this, and this is uh, the first step for us: is getting it into the chip and into consumer products uh, sometime next year.
0: Awesome! All right, great. Thanks, give it up for THX.